If you would take your copy of God's Word, turn to the book of John. We're going to the book of John, chapter 1. We'll read the first 18 verses, which is the prologue that will tell us everything else, what John is going to be teaching us in this book of theology. So when you find your place, please stand with me in the reading of God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, He, this is, this was uh, he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. Let us pray. Father, as we approach Your your throne of mercy... And Lord, just thinking about the songs that have we sang today and thinking about the scripture already read, Lord, we're, we're in awe of your goodness and of your mercy. And as we contemplate your goodness, Lord, and we look upon, upon our relationship with you, We pray, Lord, that you would give the unction of the Holy Spirit, that you would take over this vessel, Lord, and speak unto us. That we may leave here today singing, Hallelujah, what a Savior, the glorious work that you have done in us and through you and unto us, that we may be to you. Father, do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. Last week we we spoke about the introduction to the book of John. And looking at this introduction, we saw that in the beginning was the Word. And we know that Logos there is meaning the the God of glory, the one that has power over all things. And we saw that even in that first verse that we saw here, last week we're looking at today, we're not going to stay long in these first couple of verses because we 
pretty much unpacked them enough last week to pick up. And what we don't get unpacked in these first 18 verses, the gospel is going to do it as we go through as well. So if I miss something here, it's going to pick up later on as we continue to go through the gospel of John. But I want to ask you a question. When you left here last week, were you uh, contemplating the relational God uh, having a relationship with you? Were you contemplating this God that created all things yet has his eyes, his ears, his mercy, a hedge of protection around you, did you leave here singing hallelujah, what a Savior? I hope that you did because the word was clear on who he is. In the beginning was this God, and the word was with him, and the word was him. He was in the beginning with God. We see the preexistence of Christ having a, uh, never having a beginning and never having an end. This is the God of glory. This is the God of glory that we see as we, we saw last week as we went through that is a relational God. Now that's pretty amazing. If you ta even take a look at yourself in the mirror, you, you would ask yourself, why would you want a relationship with me? And that's a good question. You just can't stay there. Because if you stay there, something's broke. But today I want you to think about is for the glory of his grace, his goodness that he showed upon us, which John is going to unpack for us many things that he has in store for us. Today I want to look at that we, what we saw last week, just a little bit on the relationship uh, between his son uh, and his relationship with creation, re relationship with men relationship that was in John the Baptist and relationship rejected and also received. So we pray that it would be by God's grace that he would show us the things that we need to see here today. And again in Colossians fifteen seventeen says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Is that your God? He is the God that showed grace that you was able to be here today. He is the God that showed the common grace and the saving grace this morning. That he, we, he gave us grace that he kept gravity on the earth. There were, we're all together here. Uh, in, in the sense of physically being together, but we do see the relationship here that is God's relationship with creation. Hey, aren't you glad that we, we serve a God of relationship? Uh, not a God of, uh, he made the world and just kind of throwed it out there. You're on your own. You know, you got some rules you got to go by. And we're not, you know, just need, need to just satisfy, get this God off our back, make sure he doesn't bring judgment on us. No, this is a God of relationships. Amen. Not the God of terror in that sense. Now, when you come to Christ, the beginning of that is the fear of God is beginning to knowledge. Amen. So we see the power of God when we look and see that this God has not only has a relationship with his son, but he has a relationship with creation. By all things today, he held all things together, meaning this creation. We see in verse 3, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now think about that for a minute. Any, does, does all mean all here? Does all mean all, all the time? Absolutely not. Right? But all means all here when we see it here. We see that it's the God of glory that, I don't know about you, that I mean, I'm just astonished at, at the goodness of God that he would have anything to do with his creation at all. But he did give his son a bride. Therefore, he came to redeem his bride. And so we want to look at this creation when we see that this is a God. This is Christ himself. And as we step into this relationship and we look at this, we want to look to make sure that we're serving the right God and not the God of our imagination. This God will have an effect on our lives. He spoke the world into existence, and some think that he has no control over the world. That's just nonsense. But I'm going to tell you, just like the Roman soldiers had 
uh, a hatred for God and served a false God, he moved them to crush his son, that holy justice would be satisfied in the sense that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And to think that he has no doing with you, he has no control over you, is just, as we see to go through the Bible, we go through the uh, verse 13, we will see the evidence that we've come to know him and have entered into relationship with him is because, first of all, he had a, a, a relationship with creation, with the ideal for us to come along and come and be in his creation. Are you glad that God made the world that you could dwell in? Are you glad that God held it together today? Are you glad that he's not an emotion to God that would be a horrible mess right now if he was viewing the world and where we're at. But there's also a God that spoke these things into existence. I find it amazing when we look that all things came into being through him. And we see the blessed trinity in, in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to tell you, the songs that we sang already this morning, even this, uh, this uh, verse that we have in Revelation 4.11, how does this set with you, right? When you think about God of creation made all things, and without him nothing was made, when you see a wonderful stream in the mountains, who do you think of? Right? When you see the beautiful sky of spring coming up, right? Uh, when we see the Carolina blue skies, what do you see? It is the God of glory displaying His goodness, His mercy, and His grace. And so, also think about it. Does this, when you see nature in itself, does this verse come to mind when it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. That's what we should sing to ourselves as we look upon creation. Because this God is so relational. And as we go through this today, we see that he has a relationship. We've seen it already that it's for his pleasure he created the heavens and the earth. We looked last week on the, the aseity of Christ. Meaning God of all creation was perfectly satisfied not creating the earth if he didn't want to. He didn't need the earth. He doesn't need me or you. And I'm okay with that. I grow closer to that all the time. God does not need me to do anything. Amen? That, that is good because that gives you the freedom to do it. With great joy and comfort and peace and joy above all things. We see that God is in the, God is the Word in eternity. The Word is Jesus creating the universe. Jesus is the life and bringing light into the world. And we see the mercy of God that's showing us that He is the source of life. He is the spiritual life of humanity. This God brings us into His family in, in a way that we can have a relationship with Him. So we see here, we have seen the relationship of the Son and creation. Now we want to look at the relationship with men. Look at what it says. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now think about in Him was the life. There's two things you go parallel with. In Him we have life today. We're breathing Right, He brought us life, and in Him we have eternal life. That's, that's good. That's great. When we look upon how good He is, in Him was the life, and the light was the light of men. And that life is the light of men. Interesting phrase here. So, you ever heard the idea of the light came on? We use that, we throw that around. When you come to know the Lord is the day that light penetrates your darkness. And until then, as we will see in the book of John, and until then, until God enlightens you 
not as the world uses it, but as the Bible unpacks it. When he enlightens you, he changes everything about you to where you can see. And with being able to see, you see yourself in your need of him. It causes a relationship. That, that's good. Because we're very relational people. We blame everything on something else in a sense. We'll tr something happens, we start tracking down what, what caused this relation to happen. What broke over here that had the effect here. Right? But this God of glory, he has a relationship with us and he made it right through him and by him and through him and to him. And it pleased the Father to create for his good pleasure the earth and me and you. Are you over that? I hope not. Because that grows deeper in my life every single day when I think about you can't encapsulate God. You can't put a book in anywhere. He's too high. He's too wide. He's too broad. He's too deep. We can't put an end to something. But what he does, he shows us our end. In him was the life, and the life was the light of man. He is the very source of life. He breathes it in the pneuma that we have in Genesis. When he breathed in life into Adam. He is the life and essence of God. His life brings light, the truth of God. His word does not disagree with anything true, but reveals the final answer to all questions about God's salvation and who he is. It is this light that has relationship with life. This life that has relationship with light, it go either way in the sense that God shows us who we are. God shows us who Christ is. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. You see that? This, this is the God of, of purity. This is the God of pure holiness, and in Him is no darkness at all. It says this in 1 John, verse 6, that if we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie, and the truth is not in us. So who wants that light? That's the light we must see. That's the light we must agree with. That's the light that speaks truth to us. What if I'm a professing Christian, but yet I enjoy the darkness? The Bible calls you a liar, and the truth is not in you. Isn't that good that you light and darkness really don't have a relationship? <laughs> that's, that's really good. You, you, it doesn't work, because when you turn the light on, what scatters? The darkness. And it overcomes, it overpowers it. And this is the God that woke you up one day, changed everything about you. But I often wonder, I wish really, God, when I say this, God saved me exactly when he was supposed to save me, uh, as he laid out in his, in his timing. But sometimes I find verses, I mean, I, I wish that somewhere, someone would have told me enough truth because they loved me they want to speak truth to me would have shown me this verse right here wesley if you're a drunk that is darkness wesley if you're a liar that is darkness wesley if your life uh, is the center of darkness right but if you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness you're a liar the bible tells you that how where were they telling me why weren't they telling me because that may have been the very thing that brought us out, brought me out of the darkness. But it's by God and God alone, and we'll see that definitely in the book of John, but as we continue on right here, uh, that the darkness, you can't live in both worlds. You either love Him or you hate Him. You're either for Him or you're against Him. You're in the light or you're in darkness. 
right? It's the mercy of God that shows us the relationship that you have with him is going to be in the light. The relationship you have with the devil, right, is going to be darkness. Man, it's so plain for us, isn't it? But yet sometimes we can lie to ourselves so easy uh, about uh, sin, about our spiritual life. I know that if I ask, I'm not asking that we, we know people that proclaim to be Christ, uh, to be uh, uh, having fellowship with Christ, to be born again, but their life is marked out with hatred, railing and blackness and darkness. And, and it's because of the root. It's, that's just fruit. The rooted in the dead, deadness of sin. The Logos, as hope of salvation and humanity, is what shines in the darkness. The Logos, the overcoming darkness and sin and evil. The Word's ability to overcome darkness in ignorance. That should have been amen right there because it's God that gives the light, that God that gives us truth, that God that gives us understanding, and it's the God that gives us the power to overcome and to come to the light. We see that it's the God of experience of true life and salvation is the God of creation. Having effect on us. And the darkness could not comprehend it. The darkness could not exist with the light. The darkness cannot and will not walk uh, in the light. Why? Because it hates the light. You have muddy water or you have clear water. There's not a gray area with God. He knows your heart. He knows your mind and everything about you, whether you're born of him or not. In the darkness, he knows everything that you're trying to hide. In the light, he knows everything that you, that you looked upon in, in, uh, in all the sin that you have done. Even this past week, he is the one that's showing you the light. The way that I thought last week was horrible in places. The way that I acted was horrible. Why? Well, if it wasn't for the light of God dwelling in you, you would not know that. Unless it's so gross that you're behind bars. And even God can shine the light in that place. He's not restricted where he can shine his light. But we try to do that. So we, as we continue on with this, I want us to be careful of a couple of things. We're going to look at who John is for just a minute. But I want us to be careful that we, uh, as uh, Reformed Baptists, we don't have we don't have a gauge on us that says you're Christian, you're in or out. And it's by grace that anybody is in or out, and we don't get to say you can't come because we can't say that to ourselves either. The truth of the matter is, God's in charge of this grace. And the evidence that you've come to know him is that you have entered into this relationship with him. But look at John. We see the relationship to his son and the creation of men. We, we see now the relationship of John the Baptist. So who was John? Think about John for a minute. There, was, uh, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Notice the change when we went from uh, verse uh, 5. Light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now we have a change here in the introduction to the book of John. So there came a man sent from God. The thing about John, there's a lot of things that you will see in the appearance of John in the book of Luke and how that all came uh, by, right? But John was a, a, a Baptist in the sense that he baptized people. That's how he got his name. He was the baptizer, John the baptizer. But I want uh, thank, uh, to to look at the relationship between uh, Mary and Elizabeth and, and John losing his head over, over God, uh, for God, right? Zachariah losing his speech for a couple months while the baby was going to be born. So to put this in perspective, we have Mary and Joseph, and we have Zachariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was uh, uh, wanting the child of her older age and prayed much. You see this story in the book of Luke, chapter 1. 
and prayed often about having a child. He was up in the air, and Zechariah was a priest at the time, and, and, and taking care of the things that God had called him to do. And in between this, God prophesied 700 years beforehand that John the Baptist was going to come and be a forerunner of Christ. And also, as you, John, I mean, the, the Old Testament prophesied about Mary and how Jesus was going to come. And 400 years later, this is when John jumps on, uh, comes up on the scene. But to think about what took place, Gabriel was telling uh, Zechariah that he was going to have a son, and he doubted, so the Lord shut his mouth until the, the day that John uh, came upon the earth. And then six months later, or six months, yeah, six months into the, uh, uh, the pregnancy, Mary conceived. And God said, hey, you know, you got a, you got a cousin maybe over here that you need to go see. Not by chance, but a God that is in charge of creation and directs all things. So he, she goes to see him. And at that time, John the Baptist jumped in the womb uh, of Elizabeth's uh, belly in the sense that he, he was, <laughs> God had, had a, his hand on John the Baptist's life. And when Jesus in the belly of Mary, they came, the, John the Baptist, praise the Lord, amen? Praise the Lord in the womb. And this is the glory of God. We see the relationship between this is that she had a cousin. And, and John, we got weird John that's going to be showing up on the scene. But I'm going to tell you a little bit of something about weird John. He may be a little bit weird as we may see it. Eating locusts and wearing camel's hair and preaching repentance. That'd be a little weird today, wouldn't it? Preaching repentance. First words that come out of John's mouth, and you'll see later on in the book of John, it's the first words that come out of Jesus' mouth, amen, is repentance. But it's not in a hateful way, but it is repentance. That is, that they must see our heart that they can have a relationship with this God. It's all about relationship. It's, you've got to be forgiven by God in order to enter in and do this relationship. And... I'm not going to kick that can anymore. So when we think about the contrast between John the Baptist and Jesus, Jesus was, meaning from all eternity, John came. He had a beginning. Jesus is the Word. John was a mere man. Christ himself was God. John is commissioned by God. Christ is the real light, the true light. But John came to testify concerning the real light. Christ is the object of trust. John is the agent through whose testimony to men came to trust the real light, even in Christ. He came as a witness. First question that comes to mind when we think about this, that God is in control of pregnancy. God is in control of everything. Our blessed Trinity is completely satisfied within itself and at the same time within himself at the same time chooses to have a relationship from him from uh, with us God chose John and that's not a bad word that's a good word because if you're a lover of Christ you have been chosen you have been called out we spoke a little bit about that last week the effectual calling and we see that God uses the witness to testify about that light that all may believe. Now, why do we testify? Why do we witness that all may believe, right? All that believe, that receive the light, all the light that has turned on, right, is given God's word and the truth to testify that God is true. Now, when you testify about the Lord, is it, is it that you, they're just going to hell, there's a truth there, but when you testified about the Lord and you don't use words, how do they see it? They see the light dwelling in you. And you get to preach the gospel just by being who you are and satisfied in who you are because the light dwells in you. And sometimes you get to preach using God's word as well. 
but it's that light that speaks truth unto us that uh, John is testifying about that light. I want everybody to know that we should be uh, uh, pleading with these people that know not God. They have a form of religion, but denied the power thereof. The form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. Right? They have no power. This God who created heavens and earth has no power to do anything in their lives. No, this is what John is going to teach us. He that loves me will obey me. And we do it out of love. We do it out of truth. We do it out of love. And sometimes the truth is hard to deal with, to, be to, uh, to speak to, and to, be, to, to hear. But John came in preparation uh, to give an idea about this light. He was testifying. He, he was giving a report of who God is. And he will go further into that in, in the Gospel of John as we go further in the Gospel of John. But he was a lamp. That's what that word actually means about John being a lot, uh, John witnessing to the lamp. He was just a lamp, a lamp that was shining the light. Remember, uh, Jesus said, you don't take a, uh, a candle and go hide it under a bushel, do you? Right? You don't go hide it anywhere. The light that's in us shines out of us, out of our eyes, what we see, out of what we hear, and what we speak, uh, most of all. Because what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. This is the God that's going to be explained to us in detail what that looks like. He was a lamp that was burning and was shining, and we're willing to rejoice for him, uh, within that in that light for a while. That is John. John is a mere reflection of the light. So we see that he corrects that right off the bat. John is not the light. John the Baptist is a mere preacher of righteous uh, of repentance of righteousness, and that's it. That goes for any preacher. And I get to preach with me and Chris right now. It's not about me and Chris. It's about the true light. The true light. That's who it's about. The God of glory. Now we, we see the mercy of God when we see about all these relationships that he, that he has and as I was studying, this wasn't the layout that I was kind of looking at, but it's this profound. There is more to be said to it, but in time, I want us to, to get uh, through the passage that we have today. Is that we see that is the light testifying about the light. Man, that should be us. John was called out from the beginning. God, do you think God created that baby in the womb? Sure. And had his hand on that baby. And the other baby as well, but that was a greater light. John was just a lamp. And it's all about God, his relationship with his son, creation, men. We see that in John the Baptist. Now we see the relationship rejected. That's a horrible thought, isn't it? The relationship is rejected when you think God owes you something. The relationship is rejected when you think because you have repeated. So he came into his own, his wrongs received him not. Why is that? We'll go back to Genesis and I'll explain that. But there was a true light which cometh into the world and lightens every man. So we see by, by nature, we see by there was a true light, and that capital L right there is talking about Christ himself. Uh, that comes into the world, enlightens every man, enlightens every man. Every man knows, and every man would be responsible. So be careful with your doctrine of election, right? Be careful with that, because it's not yours to throw around. It belongs to the Lord. We don't have a gate saying, you're in, you're, in, you're out, you're in, you're out. But we, because of the truth of God dwells in us, we see that the, you rejected for a while until God overcame your will and brought you in his family. And that's good. Praise the Lord that he didn't wait on my will to be changed because it would not be changed left to myself. So he receives all the glory. But what happens, we have a lot of people in the world, just like we were, don't forget where you came from, that know about Christ, that think because they know about Christ, they know Him. 
you can look out into the world and you know there's a God. You can deny it all you want to. Book of Romans actually pulls that out a little bit better. You know there's a God. And you reject the truth that has been said by who he is. And this God has been rejected. He was in the world. He tabernacled among us. He was in the world. They saw him, right? He was in the world. It was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own did not receive him. That's pretty amazing stuff right there. When you think about, why would you not receive Christ? Now, notice I'm not using the word accept. And you should know by now how that word is laid out. And it's mentioned 27 times in the New Testament. And it's never mentioned about you accepting Christ. Never. But it does say, as we will get into a little further down, you receive Christ. That's good. That's good. Because what can a dead, dead man do? He can receive the mercy of God. Because it's that mercy that's going to bring him to life. Bring him to light in, in who God is. And I hope that you're able to follow through the, the relationship of uh, this. And it, I know there's things that uh, could bring out further, but at the same time, I just want to focus on the relationship here rejected and re relationship uh, received and the questions that comes with that. He came unto Israel and they killed him. They hated him. They destroyed him. They reject the idea that he was the Christ. Why? Because he didn't come in their way. He didn't come in the way that they thought that he should come into the world. They thought it was going to be this big... Uh, gigantic man that's going to overrule the Roman Empire. And, and Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. There is a judgment coming. And you know not the hour, the day that you would close your eyes in death. But we know God does. In relationship to, to man, there was a time here that you didn't believe. And that was common grace. There's a time now that you truly believe. How do you know do you believe? And I will ask that hopefully until I die. How do you know that you believed? The John's gospel is about belief. How do you know that you believe? Because that's something we need to get right with the Lord and look in that mirror and see, Lord, how do I know that I believe? And it's because, one, you want truth because that truth is the light that shows you your error of the way. But he came as to his own, his own were, uh, his own did not receive him. They rejected him. They did not want him. They rejected the creator of the world. They rejected the savior of their, uh, of their world. The savior that came to save them from him and through him and to him. They rejected exactly what we did and up to, to the day that we came to salvation. And then God, but God, Enjoy that text, okay? But God, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Isn't that wonderful? The, other, the word receive means to take hold of, to obtain, to grasp. You think about when you first came to salvation, what did you do with Jesus? You clung to him, man. You, 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 you. You grabbed a hold of him and won't let go. And that, that grabbing is something that continues forevermore. You cling to Christ. You come to him. Why? Because you have received him, not by your ability. We'll see that in just a minute. But by his ability. Why? Because you have a relationship with him because you have received him. And him breathing that life into you, raised you from the dead, right? Resurrected your body, your very self, your soul itself, right? And now we are in the kingdom of God forevermore. And the evidence is, is that we have a relationship with him. To receive him. Take hold.
We see in John 6, uh, 37, that all that the Father gives to me will come. And no one who comes to me will I certainly, I certainly not cast out. What is he saying? Is that verse 12 gave us the human side, verse 13 gives us the divine side of God and shows us what we need to see. So last week we talked about the tabernacle and how the tabernacle was in the center of the wilderness. And today, as we left last week, what is the center of our life? What is it that we are captivated by? And this will, even in this, this shift that we have right here, right? But as many as received him, have you received Christ? Have you clung to him? Have you taken hold? Have you grasped, obtained him? And will you let him go? What is the most important thing of your life? And it will tell you truth. Because if you are a lover of this Christ, who you have a relationship, do you realize you have a relationship with the one who made the world? Spoken into the existence? To have power to raise you from the dead, forgive you, cleanse you, make you right with him? Because he wanted to. To show off his grace. Have you gotten over that? Oh my, have we need to keep looking at that. Don't forget where we came from. Don't forget because you've been in the faith 20, 30 years that this shouldn't be exciting. This should be exciting to you just like you heard it for the first time evermore. Every time that you hear the gospel should be exciting to us. Why? Because it's that light that is shining in us that's telling us the truth. And Oh, how Jesus loves me. And how I want to live that life as a sacrifice unto him. Romans 12, 1 and 2. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and he will cast none that come to him, will cast them out. Have you come to him? Well, we're going to get into some heavy-duty stuff in verse 13, but I'll, I'm not going to camp out there long. I'm about done, but I want you to think through this relationship that's become a thread of God that he is about relationships. And who would do that? The God of relationships. Amen? That's good. That's good. And so you can't come either way. Uh, you can't come because you're baptized. You can't come any other way because you're a Baptist, Reformed Baptist. All this uh, other titles that you want to put here don't make you right with God. It does not make you right with God. God makes you right with God. And causes you to walk humbly before him. So if you pressed yourself about how do I know that I believe, as we look at the divine part of 13, how do you know you, you believe? Well, do you love him? That's a question that should pierce the soul. Do I really love him? And I truly dedicate it to him. Do I really have a relationship with him? And if I do, praise the Lord, he's done a work. He raised you from the dead. And he gets all the glory. Don't forget, but of God. Listen, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And he that began to work will finish it. If he draws you with his effectual power, right? And if he draws you, you will come. You will come. If you cling to your relationship with religion, with your family, uh, with the world, you won't come. But when God, when you have received this God of glory and he breathed into you, into, into your soul and, and uh, uh, brought it from the dead of the sewage pond. The reason why I say that, because when God found each and every one of us, 
we were at the bottom of the sewage pond. Dead. I could not raise my hand. I could not call upon him. All I could do would be there at the bottom of the sewage pond, eating the crap of the world, and enjoying it. That is too high of a picture. It's much lower than that because that's how far Christ came to save us from him and through him and to him. He came down. He jumped in. He came down to me, grabbed that soul, brought it back up. I received him, and that's the power of God. He's the one that resurrected us from the dead. We had nothing to do with it through his resurrection. It says here, this is what it's not of. Verse 13. It's not of blood. That is to say, no matter the runs through your veins of your heritage. I've been a Baptist all my life. I've been Christian all my life. No, you haven't. Only one that we could claim that to would be John, the Baptist. (laughs) And not quite sure about that, but we don't get to claim, though I've been a Baptist all my life, or I've been a child of God. No, no. The Bible teaches against that. No matter what heritage you, you've been a Baptist all your life, been in Sunday school, taught this and that, right? You know that I do meet people in jail that are pastors, used to be pastors, uh, uh, worship leaders, and uh, all kind of other things that you were, you're blown away with. The God of glory permitted that to happen. And only God knows where they're at with that. We don't get it through any inheritance nor the will of the flesh, the will of natural man is opposed to God. So something has to be broken. Something's broken right here. Something has to happen, and that is but of God. If my will is bent to, to serve sin, which it is, until God saves me and brings life into this very soul, only then will I be able to do what Philippians 2.13 and 14 says. It's he that worketh in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And do all things without grumbling. Thank you, Brother Jerry. So when you grumble, be aware that God's not pleased with it. Nor of the will of the flesh, and natural man is opposed to God. And he has no will toward God. He has to be born again. His desire has to be changed because left to ourselves, we would not choose God. But God had mercy and grace instead and raised you from the dead. It says, nor the will of man. Listen to this because this is where people have a lot more problem with this particular passage. It is not by well, uh, well-meant efforts of friends, nor by the per, uh, pers- uh, uh, pers- persuading people that are able to persuade you into the uh, kingdom of God. They can't persuade you, and they have to tell you truth. God does that, and He'll do it when He decides to do it. And we see that we can't make it all pretty. Oh, Jesus, just, he's just begging, sitting here begging you and pleading you. That is the wrong gospel. That is the gospel we don't present. That is the gospel that we have to be careful how we handle it. At the same time, we don't need to tell anybody because you repeated a prayer, you're out. We can't do that either. The mark is that God has done the work in their life regardless that they did that foolishness Think about when you came to faith, did you do everything right? Did you say all the right words in order and perfectly? No. It's not a worth lest any man should boast, because we would. But it's by God. But God. But as many were ordained to eternal life, will believe. Why? By the power of God. Let us not get tired of hearing this. Let us always remember that it was God that chose us, selected us, right? That's it's biblical wording, right? But let us be careful how we use it as well. With a baby, you don't, you don't give them meat. 
Let us be careful. Because Reformed Baptist theology should not be a stumbling block unless it is exposing your idols. And then let it be so. But you don't get the change of gospel. I don't get the change of gospel. Only God and his immutability and will not ever change the gospel. The, the truth of the matter is we are, uh, are, are, are chosen by God, by sovereign grace, by his omnipotent power, right? God calls us out into relationship with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And woe be to the man that rejects that and thinks that he is going to be all right at the end. Why? Because he clings to being a Baptist or a repeated prayer, whatever that means. Woe to the man. Woe to the man that will not expect himself. Will not look into himself to see what is in the middle of his wilderness. What in the middle of his worship. So how big is your God? Remember... Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What is the center of your life? So what do you do if you find yourself outside of that? Well, you call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. And when God starts that work, you'll do it until he completes his work. Let us pray. Father, as we look at you being so relational, we thank you so much for that. We thank you, Lord, for what you have given us in these passages as we look at a relationship rejected and then a relationship received, clinging to, Lord, in all your splendor and all your glory, Lord, you called us out. And so, Lord, we do thank you for doing that very fresh work within us that causes us to come to you. Lord, help us to be willing to examine ourselves. Help us to be willing to look upon our own hearts. And examine ourselves just being a witness. Examine ourselves by your scripture and your scripture alone. Help us, Lord, by your mercy and grace, examine ourselves, lest we not be in the faith. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we leave here today either receiving and rejoicing or rejecting and hating. No one is neutral with you, Lord. But we do pray that you would do a fresh work among us today. You know the need. So help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.